0: you're listening to the Autism Weekly Podcast, each week we share community voices and bring light to stories that increase awareness, acceptance, equity, access, and inclusion across the autism community. If you haven't already, subscribe to join the Autism Weekly family. I'm your host, Jeff Skobitsky, and I'm excited to welcome Dr. Jared Brown back to the podcast to talk with us about autism, and the development of social cognition. Jared has been featured on episodes 57, 65 and 69, where we have talked about everything from executive functioning to screen time use. Jared's a professor, trainer and private consultant with extensive experience working with individuals on the spectrum. As we all know, each person with autism is unique and might need additional support in some areas, including social cognition and social skills. Parents might need some insight. Professionals probably still need some insight on how social cognition works at a basic level and tips on how to help the child find success in social situations and even make friends, relationships. Jared, this is a fun topic.
1: Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Honored to be here and talking about this really important foundational and really complex topic.
0: Well, before we actually get into the topic, I'd love to hear what you've been up to since our last uh, podcast back in January. I'm digging
1: a lot deeper into the world of psycho psychoneuroendocrine immunology. I'm actually putting together some trainings on that, and I am convinced If you can understand that research, you really have an upper hand on understanding human behavior, so it really combines neuroscience research, the endocrine system, the immune system, our digestive health. It looks at like endocrine disruptors and toxic stress. There's actually quite a bit of literature in the world of autism that at least encompasses some elements of that. So really digging into that, and it encompasses elements of like nutrition and just how to live a really healthy, balanced lifestyle. Maybe in the future we can talk about something like that down the road. It, it's
0: definitely a needed subject, but uh, I would say even by title alone that that's going to be a deep conversation. But let's get let's get into the social cognition, and let's start with just the basics of what is social cognition, and, and what are those foundational skills that are needed for a child with, as they develop social cognition.
1: Yep, that's a big umbrella term. So that's kind of the top dog in terms of social skills. So really, when you think about social cognition, think about like how that person thinks about the social environment, understands and perceives it, how they really take information from the social context, process it, use it, apply it to everyday life. A lot of things fall under that umbrella. So like social skills, social behavior, even social competence. And under that umbrella, if we were to break it apart even further, emotional self-regulation, communication abilities, I'll talk a little bit about like pragmatic language use today pro-social relationships. So when someone has good social cognition, good social competence, they're typically in a much better position to manage their moods, behaviors, emotions. They're more likely to communicate effectively one-on-one in group settings, on the playground, in the classroom. And they're probably much more likely to be able to make friends easier and understand complex social interactions and dynamics. It also really relates to social perception. Empathy would fall under that umbrella. Theory of mind, moral reasoning, social decision making. So, I mean, that is really the top dog that really trickles down into a lot of these areas, unfortunately, that folks with autism oftentimes have some challenges and limitations in. So, if you can learn about social cognition and the things that fall under that umbrella, I think you're going to be in a much better position to understand support and manage people that are dealing with some social skill limitations
0: i mean obviously with how much social cognition permeates one's daily life it's not a spigot that you're turning off and on it's something that's constantly running and can either benefit relationships because you've developed a lot of these skills or could really inhibit one's ability to be able to navigate the community around them and to be able to really join and feel empowered in those situations. and i I, I kind of think back to my own family, and it's like, okay, well, i I, I have teenage daughters, and it's, The social cognition for them is still developing. I mean, they're still trying to learn how to navigate the world around them and how to be able to respond, not immediately, but to be able to stop, think and plan. Um, These sound like challenges, and it sounds like something that somebody with autism, based off the diagnosis and how you actually get to some of those behavioral diagnostics, is going to be limited at times what are the core factors that somebody with autism might might be missing or might need to develop or strengthen because they perceive
1: the environment differently if we look at like the general research on like what factors are linked to having really good social competence good intact attention capabilities strong executive functioning skills Even basic expressive communication and receptive language capabilities, and then really looking at theory of mind and empathy are just a few components. Now, some people can have profound limitations in some of those areas, and other areas of functioning may be okay. So it's not like just because someone has social competence deficits, it means that every facet is not going to be working properly. What do we do about that? I think it's imperative to work with professionals who understand these topics and possibly refer that individual to some comprehensive neuropsychological testing for really finding out which domains are are working, which domains are not, and the more data we can collect on the front end, then that information can be used to develop a more autism-informed goal plan, treatment plan, case management plan, Is it appropriate to put someone with autism into a social skills group? Yes and no. What happens if you're placing that person into a social skills group with a bunch of 16 year olds who are all chronologically age 16, but that person with autism may function as a 10 year old that can be do more harm than good. So I really think looking at what is their social, emotional and developmental age? rather than relying on their chronological age i do a lot of talks on executive function and adaptive functioning i think those two areas are imperative to consider when we're talking about today's topic a lot of controversy a lot of just things in the literature that are inconsistent when we think of empathy among people with autism some people say people with autism have empathy deficits Mm -hmm. Some people say they just process and demonstrate empathy differently. I think screening for how that person understands and uses empathy is probably very, very important. How they function in like group behaviors as well, like just looking at how they do in the classroom, looking at how they do with friendship making abilities And what are their overall interactional capabilities, like cooperation abilities and even learning capabilities are a few areas we'd want to consider. And I know we're going to talk about theory of mind during uh, another segment, but when we talk about social cognitive skills too, really understanding the topic of theory of mind, that's a core deficit among people with autism. That's basically relating to like social perspective taking what is that person's ability to understand the mental states of other people, like thoughts, wants, needs, emotions, tensions, things like that. Those would be areas to focus on and understand and determine what areas are working and what aren't, and then really target those areas for intervention. I appreciate the fact
0: that that you looked at it from a different angle as well, is that you did talk about the assessment part and, and the actually the almost the filling of the gaps and building up the repertoire. But there's also that other piece that I'd love to be able to get your perspective on, which is how can the community better understand that some of these abilities in social cognition might be masked because communication might be done differently or The maybe the physical communication of somebody doesn't necessarily match the vocal communication. So where is the where's the teaching start for the community in understanding that somebody with autism doesn't necessarily have social cognition deficits, but they might just have a different way of displaying how to be able to interact.
1: I think sometimes I look through a pragmatic lens, like a social pragmatic lens, or like a pragmatic language lens. A couple things to consider there is what is that person's use of language like in a social context? So do they know how to start a conversation with another person? Do they know how to use greetings effectively? Do they know how to talk to a child differently than an adult? Do they know how to talk to a stranger differently than a close family member? It also relates to following rules. Do they understand like abstract concepts with rule following, like turn taking abilities, being in sports, on the playground, give and take relationships? I think do they understand how to respect other people's boundaries or the use of like nonverbal communication? So basically, when you think of like social pragmatic language, does that person know what to say, know how to say it and when to say it in the appropriate context? Those are some subtle clues to be looking for, but obviously that's not an all-encompassing list that you'd want to be aware of. Looking at, too, I think their level of social intelligence. I think that is a big component of this as well. A lot of people hear the topic of like emotional intelligence but also being aware of the topic of social intelligence. Does that person really just understand people and human dynamics and interactions effectively? Do they understand how to express feelings openly and honestly? There's something called alexithymia that's been shown to be much more prevalent among people with autism compared to the general population. If someone's dealing with alexithymia, it's typically related to like an emotional awareness emotional processing deficit so people with autism are dealing with alexithymia they might have a real hard time labeling their emotions understanding emotions even components of like facial affect like recognition would technically fall under the umbrella of social cognition so does that person have a tendency To misread facial cues as someone is really sad and they misread that or they misread anger or joy so those are a few subtle things i think to be looking at but again lots of things to think about with this topic and we're only scratching the surface with some of these things and each
0: one of those areas can be complex or it could be basic skill sets and it doesn't seem like it would be necessarily autism specific. A lot of the things you were describing, we're all working on, on a regular basis, is how are we processing situations, identifying social situations, being able to communicate around that, understanding the emotions of others and perspective taking. So for that child with autism, though, that that those gaps could be Broadened over time and create more and more challenges because they're trying to do some catch up in those areas. What I, can you start that at an early age? Are there are there building blocks that can be established before the age of two, before the age of three? I mean,
1: where are we starting? Sleep keeping stress down, staying away from environmental toxins. As that child then is born, utilizing attachment-based approaches there's something called joint attention i would recommend your audience learning about attunement really tuning into that child early on focusing on empathy development and compassion and sympathy and joy early on in life and really focusing too i think people forget about this the importance of getting really good sleep eating healthy taking care of one's emotional and behavioral health learning how to name emotions early on promoting theory of mind i think is very very important early on couple things we can do about that your audience is probably somewhat familiar with like social stories thought bubble training things of that nature helping people learn how to label fear anger sadness joy and really promoting that and really leaning into that child. There's some other things that we'd want to be aware of too. There's a whole line of literature that talks about parental responsivity. This is a parenting interaction style where it's been shown to help promote like theory of mind, social cognition, all of these things. If your audience is not familiar with like parental responsivity, I really think it's rooted in like attachment based approaches where the parent is using like parental warmth, really leaning into that child, making eye contact, being kind, being nurturing, parents who are well-regulated. There's a whole line of literature that talks about parental self-regulation. Parents who stay regulated during times of stress, worry, conflict, really model those behaviors to that child. A parent who's really willing to get down on that child's level and look at that child, listen, to understand that that child has their own thinking, their own brain as well. There's a whole line of literature that talks about parental mind mindfulness as well. These are just some good search terms, I think, for your audience to be aware of. It's outside the scope of today's talk to go deep into that. Parents who can provide emotional feedback in a healthy way too. By being able to name those emotions, just sitting at the dinner table growing up and having discussions when technology is not at play, getting off the screen, just basic common sense things that unfortunately a lot of people do struggle with. In this era of COVID-19 and beyond, this stuff gets even more challenging. I can't count how many cases I've consulted on in these last few years where a lot of these things have been even more amplified because the child used to be in school face-to-face, now is trying to navigate the online world, and the parents have seen some developmental regression in skills that were previously learned, and now the child went backwards a little bit. I've heard plenty of cases where I'm asked the question how does it how does wearing a mask impact this for children where they're not being able to see those facial expressions. I don't know what the future holds with some of this literature, but some of the early literature coming out has really shown that people with autism have really struggled these past few years with COVID and the kind of the back and forth and lots of the confusion. So just really being aware of that and knowing that there's some added complexity now to these things that we're talking about as well.
0: Yeah, when you were mentioning the parental responsibility, is that one of the one of the key factors there? I would imagine be the modeling is it's showing the emotion and pairing that emotion so that the so the child's feeling it and that they're seeing it more frequently and that they're getting that that attached response but that modeling piece is part of practice. It's part of putting that in place. And and I'd love to just hear some sampling of the joint attention component, because that seems like something parents could be readily involved in and be able to kind of have as part of their tool belt right off the bat. So what would that look like for a family if they're trying to increase joint attention with their child to be
1: able to build on some of that social cognition? so joint attention just to briefly define it just in case folks don't understand that joint attention is a critical component to early childhood development some research really leans to the fact that people with autism may have some deficits in that area the best way i can explain it let's say you're at the park with your child and there's two of it, it's you and the child and you hear a basketball like bouncing you both look at the basketball Good joint attention, child looks back at mom or dad, and you both make eye contact and like give a nonverbal cue of a smile. Oh, that was cool. For someone who has joint attention problems, they might not look back. They may become hyper focused on the basketball where they don't look back at the mom or dad. So what do we do about that? Obviously, understanding first what that is working maybe with a developmental psychologist, screening for it, understanding it, getting some training and coaching. But anything you can do to support healthy childhood development by having that child be around peers who are kind and nurturing and stable and just being in a group of kids, learning play behavior. Maybe it's working with a play therapist. Really modeling and teaching attunement The literature is pretty clear too. Teaching creativity early on in life can really help with brain development. Getting art involved, coloring, maybe putting together models, Play-Doh. I mean, whatever you can do, get the child thinking, interacting, using the different senses. Instilling really good problem-solving skills early on in life and modeling what it's like to solve problems effectively. Promoting academic development early on in life, reading to your child, being around animals. Those are things that just help with any child with brain development. Being aware of cognitive development, so focusing on promoting executive function, promoting metacognition. Those are highly recommended. Promoting and really helping that child develop a sense of self really focusing on self-esteem development, self-efficacy, promoting, I think, internal locus of control, helping that child really understand their strengths, their hobbies, their skills and interests, but also helping them learn more about their limitations, but not to focus on that in terms of, you just can't ever do this, but helping them know that it's okay, we all have limitations, learning how to ask for help, using developmentally and emotionally appropriate approaches too. So again, taking into account not just their chronological age, but their emotional and developmental age would be just a few basic one-on-one things I would consider.
0: Uh, and, and you look at any treatment modality that's that's really involving developmental skills. It's it is going to have those components of shared experience and being able to engage the child at their level and being creative and immersing it into the natural environment. So as you're describing that, I'm I'm, I'm I would imagine that most young child programs, even with the ABA or psychology or developmentally has to integrate joint attention, shared experiences. And that's what builds the relationship. And that's what builds the idea that there's something outside of the objects in the environment and that there is that common interaction, which as an infant you're learning, but we need to reinforce with more and more practice. So what what is some of the barriers then? I mean, it, it sounds like this is something that that we can all work through, I know that at times parents can get frustrated if they're not getting reciprocity from their child, but what are some of the other barriers that parents run into that stop them from wanting to engage on the skill building?
1: Sleep issues are a huge issue for this population. I think that's a barrier. I oftentimes hear a huge issue is digestive health issues. There's a lot going on in the gut of people with autism. There are so many articles being published on gut-brain health connections with folks with autism. So working with a sleep specialist, working with a digestive health specialist, I know this population is very prone for having food sensitivities. Ruling out any comorbidities I think are very helpful. Unfortunately, we know this population oftentimes deals with a number of co-occurring medical emotional and psychiatric types of issues. So really understanding those comorbidities that could be getting in the way and targeting those things, I think are a good starting point. These are big topics and we can't, I, in my opinion, there's not gonna be one provider who understands all of these topics. It's really forming a multidisciplinary team of professionals. Because we know people with autism have sensory issues. So working with a sensory specialist, Speech-language communication professionals are often involved. There are so many studies that have been published on autism and the role that physical health interventions play in exercise. I can't count how many studies I've read on that. So maybe it's engaging with someone who is really understanding of people with autism and physical exercise. There are some barriers related to dental health as well. You'll find articles on that as well. So it's really looking at, I think, a head to toe type of approach inside and out. Body, brain, what's going on inside the body and outside the body. So it is complex. And I don't want to overwhelm people by telling them all these things, but I think the more you can learn about all of these different variables, you're going to be more empowered and if you had the knowledge now, I'd much rather you know it now than 10 years down the road. Early intervention is key. So dig deeper, understand that every child, every adult, every teenager on the spectrum is wired differently. They have different strengths, experiences, but they also have different limitations. So really individualizing your approaches too to that person and focusing on strengths-based, resilience, optimism, gratitude, and hopeful thinking, I think are very helpful too. But also can't forget for the professional and the caregiver, it's important for us and caregivers to take care of yourselves too. Be aware of parental burnout. Take good care of yourself so you're in a much better position to take care of your children.
0: Yeah, oftentimes you get all those very smart people in the same room including the family members who probably have a lot to be able to contribute to any sort of treatment plan. Mm -hmm. And you're able to get everybody talking the same language and communicating. And then you have the chance to practice that more and more frequently and give the child the chance to be able to implement it and feel what that success is and then you get buy-in. And I appreciate the fact that that you're looking at all those aspects because as a community of professionals, they have to feel confident to be able to lean on each other and understand that there are things that I need to pull from every one of the autism community to be able to really create the right plan. So on on that note, you are the one that we're talking to about social cognition today. And I really want for people to know where they can go to find out more about this topic because it is an important topic and we did only scratch
1: the surface. So where where can families go to learn more about this? You can share my email if you'd like with folks. I have lots of supplemental readings. You can go to YouTube and type in social cognition. You'll find a lot of great short videos. I give a lot of talks on these kind of topics to professional audiences so people can Google my name and find different things online as well. I think that would be a good starting point or going to Google Scholar and just typing in autism and social cognition, you'll you'll have enough readings to keep you busy for several weeks. So it's a really good starting point. You're probably gonna run into barriers in terms of finding professionals If you were to ask them, do you have an expertise in social cognition? A lot of professionals haven't had training specifically in social cognition, but if you say like social skill deficits, oh yeah, I have a lot of training in that. But really ensuring that that person understands at least social skill limitations, some on theory of mind, some on empathy and a couple other terms I didn't talk about today. I wish we could mind blind blindness. You want to understand that topic and weak central coherence. Those are a few other topics just for you as the professional and the caregiver to know those basics, because those are all very, very important in the world of autism.
0: Those, those sound like such wonderful resources. And, um, and as families go through it, is that knowing that you might click on a few that are going to be I mean, over my head, over your head, over everybody's head because they're they're academic journals. And just keep searching, keep finding, and maybe we can help to tailor that over time so that there's a better, more digestible information base for families. And I think that maybe, Jared, your talks would be the place to be, is that because you break things down a little bit better. And so I do suggest people try and find you on some of these uh, YouTube channels or through some of the media that you've put out there. But I I appreciate your time today, Jared, and and I find it so informative. And I hope that people take a step back and realize that this needs to be a focus within treatment. It's got to be a focus early
1: within treatment because it permeates so much of everybody's life. Thank you so much for having me back again and look forward to talking with you again in the near future.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids.com. Com.
1: Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.